Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we are officially into off-season mode. That's right, folks. NFL never sleeps. And we have got an early look at kind of everything going on, as well as our takes on Eric Bieniemy going to the Washington Commanders. So let's not delay. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He's taking his Super Bowl trash talk to the streets and the playground. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, dude? Listen, the three-year-old had it coming. He was being a punk. He thinks it's great. LaShawn McCoy is uniting everybody on Twitter. Sam Blackett is with us. What's going on, man? Fumbled that one about as well as he fumbled the football when he played for us. So, uh, not a surprise. And I am Sean Deegan, and like the Kansas City Star, I think it's appalling Mahomes drank beer in front of kids at the Super Bowl parade. Should have been drinking whiskey. So let's dive into it because we've got some actual like rather big news concerning Kansas City Chiefs that broke earlier this week. And that is that finally Eric Bieniemy kind of gets a bump in, in role. Uh, he goes to the Washington Commanders as the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator under Ron Rivera. This was uh, an article here from Hogs Haven. It's kind of part of the uh, SB Nation uh, family of, of journalists and bloggers website, that whole crew. Um, and the writer Scott Jennings kind of put this together with all the updates that Ron Rivera hosted Eric Bieniemy for a couple of days. And it kind of finalized with him taking the offensive coordinator role, sparked a lot of discussion about you know the frustrations of Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching gig he does get the slight bump in title apparently it's a multi-year deal and a bump in pay all the things you think you'd have to do to get Eric Bieniemy to make a essentially a lateral move to an offensive coordinator role that was not with Kansas City so let's just start there guys what do we think of this move the, the NFL world has kind of given its take. Uh, this The article dropped on the 18th of February. We're recording this on Tuesday, February 21st. So what do we think? Sam, we'll let you bat lead off. How do you feel about Eric Bieniemy's move to being the offensive coordinator of the Commanders? It's a mixed bag of emotions, like, or not emotions, but feelings towards it because in one sense – you're happy for the guy to to get an opportunity in a situation that I think is is right for him to become a head coach pretty easily. And and like I've looked at it a couple ways of you know maybe the the commanders do look at him as as a head coach candidate, but they don't want him to fail because they don't have a quarterback. And we know Riverboat Riverboat Ron is like ultimate good guy, so. Maybe he's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna take the arrows for you on this one, and then we'll get a quarterback. I, I it's hard to know, but it, at the same rate, it's incredibly frustrating. Even even with with our dismay with it being me at times at the Chiefs organization, when you look at the Eagles who just lost the Super Bowl, both of their offensive and defensive coordinators are now head coaches. Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator for what five years now? Five years, three Super Bowls, two Super Bowl wins. Just, it's just it is insulting. It's just it's kind of it's hard to really put into words that that this guy has to go somewhere else to prove himself in the same position to be able to get a head coaching job. Jacob, how about you? Where are you at with? Eric Bieniemy's move to the Commanders. I think it almost had to be done. I, it's annoying that head coaching job was not an opportunity for him. We all have heard the he needs to prove without Andy Reid. At the same time, when other guys did not have to, from a Chiefs perspective, I think. The Chiefs benefit in, in the sense of they want to keep moving guys through those offensive positions and get fresh ideas in the room. And I do almost wonder if Eric Bieniemy was highly encouraged to go take another job because 
the Chiefs, I don't want to say we're going to fire him, but said, hey, why don't you go try out your thing somewhere else at this point? And that way you can make your head coaching job because we have Matt Nagy, who we want to promote to offensive coordinator and keep shuffling guys in here and getting, like I said, getting the fresh idea. So that's that's where my mind's been at on it, of wondering just what was the Chiefs' role in it. I will echo your guys' thoughts on the part that's frustrating. I don't think that he should have had to take this extra step that other offensive coordinators under Andy Reid have been able to bypass with whether or not they called plays. I'm happy he's going to get the chance to kind of run the show on offense at least. It sounds like with the commanders, he's going to be able to call plays. He's going to be able to design and, and coordinate the offense on his own. Uh, I'm sure you know it's, it'll go through the head coach, but he's going to be essentially the guy running it. Ron Rivera has been a defensive coach, or at least renowned defensive coach for a long time. So it's not it's it's exciting to see that Eric Bannon is going to get that shot at least. The bump in title is helpful. I think just being able to have head coach somewhere in your title, I have to think that's going to help. I, I, I have to believe it will. Otherwise, it's just going to put me into a rough mood. I pulled up pro football references stats on the Washington Commanders, and their offense was bad. They were 24th in points scored, 20th in yards um, in yards gained. If Eric Bieniemy gets them to like a top, Honestly, like if he gets into a top 17 scoring offense, somebody better come banging on the door for him as a head coach because they don't have a quarterback. They've got two receiving weapons that are, are consistent. One receiving weapon that's consistently good. One that has shown promise uh, with Jahan Dotson. So you're working with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and a couple of running backs who have shown some promise, but nothing spectacular. You know, Terry McLaurin is really the only guy that you can go, yeah, that's that's a Pro Bowl offensive weapon. Everybody else is just kind of a guy at this point. Like I said, we don't really know what Jahan Dotson is yet, but as of right now, he's not. I mean, he didn't come out and blow it up the way Garrett Wilson did. So as of right now, he's a guy. I, I like the potential, but we don't know yet. So if he gets them into, you know, inside the top 20, if he's top 17 or better, like top 17 for me is kind of, I don't know why that's the number. I think top 15 is maybe putting a little too much on it, too much expectation. But if he can bump them like 10 spots in the scoring offense and there's not somebody coming to to take him as a head coaching candidate, I'm just going to call races on every NFL owner. Just There's no other reason at this point. And I get that people will say, well, he doesn't interview well. Well, maybe he's just abrasive. He hasn't called plays. Like, maybe he doesn't come off as, as that organized. I'm like, Nathaniel Hackett, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, all these schmucks who got chances at a head coaching job. It's just, And they're all incompetent. Joe Judge ran three quarterback sneaks inside his own tent. Like, what what else? Are we, what are we doing here? So I, I I'm running out of options. I'm running out of goodwill for the NFL at this point. So I've kind of already labeled what I think a success is for Eric Bieniemy. I think if you can bump them into the top twenty, give them a top seventeen scoring offense, that's a huge win. That's a huge feather in his cap. What would you guys define as success for Eric Bieniemy with his time as an offensive coordinator in Washington? We'll turn things around, and Jacob, let you take lead on this one. Well, being privy to Sean's monologue, I took a chance to go look up the commander's offense and what they had. I I, I thought to myself, like, okay, well, they have Antonio Gibson, too. Man had 500 rushing yards last year. You're right. It's a black hole over there as far as offensive skill. And Taylor Heineke is going to be gone as well. I mean, he's a free agent. But I've from everything I've heard, he's going to be gone. Um you're right. There's no quarterback. So I guess really I would just say not being a liability next year, you know, not being kind of like a oh, crap. Our defense has got to bail us out again. And I do think you're right, Sean, in saying top 17 or top half of the league as far as offenses go or close to with 17 as a fair mark. Um, and I think the bigger mark for Eric Bieniemy is going to be, what kind of quarterback play does he get? 
Because if he does, then Sean will get to scream even louder about the racist thing and say, uh, hey, uh, remember when you guys said it was because he was the running backs coach and couldn't co- coach passing in the quarterbacks? That will be the biggest indictment on the league is if he gets whatever non-Patrick Mahomes quarterback is what I call these these guys that are going to be his options to come out and throw it around the yard. So I'm pretty excited to see if he can do that with them. Sam, what about you? What do you think would be a successful tour in Washington for Eric Bianami? I don't think I've got a whole lot more to add than what you guys have said. I think, I think your placement of, of getting that offense, which it it's weird because it's not a, I have no idea what their offensive line is, but their weapons are all guys that, that have a name, like even down to their third receiver, Curtis Samuel, who's kind of like Debo light. They've got pieces along the offense that they're just obviously missing the biggest piece, which is quarterback, which we have no idea what that's going to be. Um, so if he if he can generate a top half offense with the commanders, and I think if he can, if the commanders make it into the playoffs, I think will be a big one, which I don't think they're really far off, specifically in the NFC. Um, and I think the biggest thing for him is to show that he is adaptable, that he's not a like and, and Ron Rivera has already come out and say we're going to be a running team and we're going to win with defense. Well, we better let Eric Bieniemy do a little bit if he's going to bring in a guy that just came from one of the most pro- prolific passing offenses, which again has Patrick Mahomes. So that that's something to take into note. But I think showing that he is adaptable, that he can use the pieces around him, and that it wasn't. It wasn't what I believed, which is he he didn't have the play calling in Kansas City. Like he has that ability to take what he learned from Andy Reid and apply it to other players other than Patrick Mahomes. To answer your question, Sam, I, I went ahead and looked it up. The between Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell, the Commanders allowed forty eight sacks, which was good for seventh worst in the NFL. Okay, so. So, yeah, that's noted. from Pro Football Reference and Stat Muse, where I got those numbers in case people want to look them up. But yeah, not good. Um, not good. Their defense was amazing. To Ron Rivera's point, they were ninth in scoring, scoring allowed, third in yards allowed. So I get where he's coming from. But uh, yeah, offensive line could use some work. Let's look at this from a Chiefs perspective and, and what kind of comes next for that coaching staff. Because I think we have a pretty good idea on who's up next for one of these positions. They now have an offensive coordinator position open and then potentially a quarterback's coach position open. So who's kind of up next for you guys? I, I'll put my cards on the table for offensive coordinator, and it's no surprise I think Matt Nagy's probably up next. Uh, what about you guys? Offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, you got any names? Or is it just Nagy all the way for offensive coordinator and, and who's up next for quarterback's coach? Sam, we'll start with you. Already laid it out earlier this year. Matt Nagy's your offensive coordinator. Cliff Kingsbury comes back from Thailand and is your quarterback coach. Which is actually pretty conceivable. Jacob, are you in lockstep with Sam, or do you have a different name for either one of those positions? I don't love the idea of Cliff Kingsbury just because of the whole Cliff Kingsbury experience. A name that got brought up to me that I think is pretty interesting would be Byron Leftwich. I was like, that would be very interesting to me. Um, and would also be kind of poetic justice if the Chiefs could push a black coach through the offensive side of the ball and get them to a head coaching role. I had not thought of Byron Leftwich, but he had a lot of success with Brady and Tampa, so I'd be interested in that. The other name, I'll just drop it because it's fun. I don't think it'll actually happen, but wouldn't it be cool if Alex Smith came back and was a quarterback's coach? Like how with how much Patrick Mahomes credits Alex Smith to his success, just being able to hit the ground running in 2018, his first year as a starter. That I just think that'd be a lot of fun. I don't think it'll happen. I think Alex is enjoying that that really nice TV job that he's actually really really good at. But I think it'd be a lot of fun if he came back to Kansas City as a coach. I think Kansas City would lose their minds because 
to your point, Jacob, he got more popular after he left Kansas City than he already was in Kansas City. I know you brought that up before on the podcast, but that would be a lot of fun for me. Another shot in the dark. I I doubt he comes right back, but Chad Henney? <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would love it. Right into the... That would be fantastic. I'm sticking with what I did this this offseason, which turned out to not be true at all of new new idea new people new ideas remember when i kept saying that about the coaching staff and they changed mm-hmm. nobody on the coaching staff and then they won the super bowl yeah i'm i'm glad you guys all kept the receipts <laughs> oh. let's go ahead and zoom our focus into the chiefs as they stand right now because we are on the precipice folks of the off season in fact Today, the offseason started. Again, I mentioned before recording this on Tuesday, February 21st. Today is the first day that teams can franchise tag their players, apply the tag to whomever they wish to prevent them from reaching free agency. That opened up today. That will run through March 7th. Uh, I got the schedule here off CBSSports.com if you want to take a gander yourself. So that opens up today. We are a week away as of today from the NFL Scouting Combine, which runs through March 6th. We then get into uh, pro days that start getting scheduled uh, the day after the Combine ends. The legal tampering period for free agency starts on March 13th. And then the new league year and a free agency officially opens on the 15th. So, uh... If, especially if you're one of the Super Bowl teams, not a whole lot of downtime. Time to get to it. So we want to do kind of an early look on the offseason and starting with just what we have to think are going to be some of the tougher decisions. And starting with the Chiefs free agent list, guys who are on expiring contracts. I do have that list here, gents, uh, if you'd like it. Uh so these are all of the unrestricted free agents. This doesn't include RFAs or exclusive rights uh, free agents. Um, these are just guys who are going to be able to hit free agency. Those names are Nick Allegretti, Andrew Wiley, Orlando Brown Jr., Blake Bell, Ronald Jones, Jarrett McKinnon, Michael Burton, Nicole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Justin Watson, Chad Henney, who retired, Carlos Dunlap, Derek Naughty, Colin Saunders, Brandon Williams, Dion Bush, and Juan Thornhill. So some of those names more relevant than others, obviously, but a lot of names that played some key roles down the stretch here. So to you guys, we had kind of done a bit of this on specific players uh, a couple of weeks ago, but which of the Chiefs free agents do you want back? Assuming contracts work out, who would you want to bring back uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs? Sam, we'll start with you. Oh, it's – there's several that, I mean, I'd love to see come back. Um, I, I'm not even going to look at it as a contract aspect just because I'm like, I, I don't have any idea what these guys' market value is going to be. But I, I'd like to see Juju come back. I think he fits the offense well. I don't love the idea of having to pay him after the Super Bowl tax as much as he's probably going to cost. Um with your defensive line, I'm torn on them. I, I would love to see Colin Saunders. I just love Colin Saunders. The other guys, though, I think are are easily replaceable within within our system. How how Spags and uh, rotates defensive linemen, and how well Beach has been drafting recently. Um, sorry, I'm going through the list right now just to remind myself. Uh, my my favorite since we signed him, Jarek McKinnon. Bring him back. Um, other than that, there's, I mean, listening to, again, I hate listening to times ours right before we do our podcast because it's like, they're, they're just too good at it. And I just want to see all of their ideas, but the idea of bringing Juan Thornhill back is interesting because if you do, um, I, I can't remember which of the three guys to credit it to, but he was saying that, you know, that's your back seven of your defense locked up for at least the next two years. Like if you can bring him back. So I, I I don't know. Juan is iffy for me, but I think the primary ones for me would be 
all gadget pieces. Like none of them are severe starters. Like I'm not mentioning Orlando Brown because I'm still not in love with him. Um, but yeah, Juju, Colin Saunders, Juan Thornhill, maybe, and um, Jarek McKinnon, I guess. But the rest, I, I think, are pretty replaceable overall. Yeah, I think that the the key word is want in the who do you want to come back? Because I, I, I kind of agree with you, and I'll get my thoughts here in a minute. Excuse me, but one more that uh, he, he's not fully on that list, but he is he is a um, getting close to free agency. That's Jody Fortson. Yeah. The man back. <laughs> he's an exclusive rights free yeah. agent. So they, they no matter what, they'll get first dibs yeah. at him. Um, so that's that's the good news on that. I'll go ahead and go next here. I again the key word is want. I re- I would like to have Juju back. I think he does a lot of things really well that the Chiefs don't have in their offense otherwise. Specifically, you know, just for example, like the back shoulder throw. Really before Juju got to Kansas City, that was not much a part of their offense. And they used it a lot with Juju, especially like the big game that stands out in my mind is against San Francisco when he went off and they threw a lot of back shoulders to him. And it just seems like with his big body and his hands and his ability to kind of shield off a defender, I really, I really would like to have that element of the offense stay in Kansas city. So I'd really like to have Juju back. Um, Jarrett McKinnon, I'm with you, Sam. I He just adds so much to the offense, and it's a guy that each year down the stretch has kind of been a real big key, and they I think the Chiefs are uniquely positioned to kind of manage his workload, which has been the biggest problem throughout his career is just staying healthy. So I'd like to have him back. And then after that, I'm kind of so-so. Colin Saunders I'd like to have back just because I like Colin Saunders. He's fun to watch. I know he's a rotational piece, but we've all kind of said it in different ways. Colin Saunders is just a bundle of fun. And then after that, like, I start getting into caveats where it's like, you know, I'd love to have Juan Thornhill back. Can we get him back on the Justin Reed contract? Can we get him back for cheaper than that? Like three for 24 with like 18 million or like 14, 16 million guaranteed. Like, can we do that? I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to sign him for that kind of a contract. So we start getting into like the where I start getting kind of wishy-washy just after those couple of free agents. So uh, and I and it's not that I don't like them. Like McCole Hartman even has shown to be a really valuable piece down the stretch. So I get where they're valuable, but then you like look at guys like, well, Kadarius Tony was basically McCole Hartman, just more dynamic in terms of his his lateral movement. So I think it really comes down to me for Juju uh, being the big one. I'd really like to have him back. Colin Saunders, just for fun. And Jared McKinn, like I said. Other than that, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Sam. I think they're all kind of, you know, Jags, just a guy. Uh, Jacob, what about you? Who, who do you want the Chiefs to bring back in free agency? Who are the guys that you'd like to see them back in red and gold? I think you want to be in a place where you're not desperate at all and don't have to overpay any guy. Um, your big dominoes, Chiefs have a good idea of the big dominoes in this offseason, so they'll have a better idea of what to prioritize out of the gates versus, hey, here's a guy we'll wait till after the draft to sign. But, I mean, you, you hope you can get somewhat of a friendly contract with Orlando Brown. I think that's your – Priority number one, or you pay him a contract where you don't feel bad playing him at right tackle in the future if that's if that's necessary. I like your idea, Sean. I think Juju is a guy that you can probably pay him a little bit of money but not get crazy um, just because of the wide receiver market and, you know, they're going to need a solid guy. And I don't want them to go into the draft being like, all right, we've got to get a receiver. Otherwise we are in trouble. Um, outside of that, Jarek McKinnon, I do like a lot. And, you know, he was pivotal, but I, I think there's other Jarek McKinnons out there. If he asks for much money, those are also big names I had thought of. 
we talked about Andrew Wiley last week. If he wants to be backup type money, then he can have it. Otherwise, let him walk. I'm kind of the being a little heartless about it, but like I said, I I cheer for the Chiefs. I don't cheer for you know roster spots 30 through 53 really all the time. And this kind of brings me to the next section of tough decisions because we're coming up on some some decisions that we've talked about already, but I, I want to kind of expand this conversation a little bit because we've seen Brett Veach when it comes to extending players who are, are not expiring free agent contracts, but guys that they've drafted or guys that have shown to be valuable pieces that he's willing to, to either go big on a contract or he's also willing more of late now that Patrick Mahomes has been given a big contract to move on from them. You know, he orchestrated the, the first Chris Jones extension. He extends Patrick Mahomes, but then they move on from Tyreek. And there's some kind of prominent names that this offseason is the time to agree on an extension if it's going to get done, more than likely. Uh, the big names from the 2020 draft class that I still think are relevant, um, Willie Gay Jr., Legereus Sneed, and then uh, Michael Dana I actually threw in here. CEH is on that list, but I think we can all probably agree he's a, a very low bet to – uh, stay with the Chiefs at all. But uh, I wanted to put Mike Dana on there just because I think he's exceeded a lot of expectations, and I'd be interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are on that. And then you've got the veterans like Chris Jones and Frank Clark, where, you know, I don't think this time last year we would have been talking about a Frank Clark, you know, reworked extension to drop his cap number drastically, but it's very clear that he played another pivotal role in the playoffs down the stretch yet again. So, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. If you had to, you know, start making some tough joint, tough choices on who you're extending and who you're probably going to try and move for picks or other players, who's who on these on these lists? Um, who do you extend? Who do you move on from? Um, Sam will let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, and I think this this question will actually kind of play a role in in our third down aspect of, of tonight's podcast, but we've got some players that are very vital to the way Spags has run his defense with obviously Sneed, Willie Gay, and Chris Jones, I think being the three big names because they are kind of your each level and you can debate between Bolton and, and Gay, which one is more impactful on the D linebacker core. But I mean, You've got three levels. All three are you arguably your best player at that at that level. Dana is the one I think. I, I'm not paying him a lot. I, I loved it, Mike Dana. Make, he's one of those guys that, like we've talked about, just does so much for the team. But again, he is a rotational guy at the end of the day. And so, I mean, I'm I'm paying my stars, which is. Not a Veach move, I don't think, but I think it's – I feel like it's different. With Chris Jones, you're going to pay him a lot of money. I think with Willie Gay and Sneed, I think there will be more – I don't want to say more of a team-friendly deal, but I don't think either of them have had stellar enough careers to this point. to Like we talked about, I think Sneed is up there, and I do think you you probably are going to have to pay him, but I – I think the way Veach works, he'll be able to get decent contracts on him. But those are the only three I'm looking at that I'm like, yeah, I, I might move towards signing them back and rather than trying to go out and grab another piece. Like, I'd rather spend the money at home, I guess, than reach out beyond our, our boundaries. But other than that, Frank, um, if you could play like your playoff self every game, you we'd have a very different conversation with that. So I, I don't know. I I would concentrate on the three big names with Willie Gay, Chris Jones, and Jerry Sneed. The rest of them are you want to be on this team? You're not gonna get paid what other teams might pay you. Jacob, what about you? Who are the guys that you think the Chiefs should extend or move on from? What are the what tough decisions are you making with this list? 
Yeah, it's tough to know when it's tough to know when you don't know what numbers a guy wants, but so you get down to like Sam said of like who are truly your guys that are on that you just can't lose. I I I think it is three guys, like you said, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, like they can ask for whatever number they want. Other guys they can ask for a number and the Chiefs can work with them. And I think those guys, you know, after our discussion last time, I do think Legarius needs an interesting one because he does a lot for what Spagnuolo wants to do on defense. He wants guys to blitz out of the slot. He wants a guy to be able to cover deep in different spots. Uh, but everyone else, like I said, the number doesn't – it's very important for those guys. Like, you ask for too big of a number, we'll, we'll trade you or let you walk. So, of the remaining guys you've said, it's like that's how I feel about it. Other than Frank Clark, let, let the man go. It, it's time to move on. There's, there's not a lot left there. So, here's what I'm trying to emotionally prepare for is that they're going to be maybe one or two extensions, and I'm going to have to watch some guys that really like, you know, play out a contract or get moved this offseason. So, Let's be frank here, Sean. You're worried about Legere Sneed. I'm worried. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, let me explain why I'm worried about – oh, I am worried about Sneed a lot, though, to be – you are correct. Um, Legere Sneed might actually be the one I'm, I'm the least worried about just because I look at these contracts and I think that there's a reasonable range to get him in. So, like, if you look at, like, the top-end contracts are, like, Jair Alexander with his $84 million, 30 guaranteed, 21 per year. If you look at the average per year, that's really high. But then you have, like, Denzel Ward, Jalen Ramsey, who are getting, like, $71 million guaranteed apiece. I think those contracts are kind of out, out in left field. But if you get into, like, Xavier Howard, you're looking at 18 a year, $40 million guaranteed. I could see them working with something like that with Sneed. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the best move or not but I think for corners that's kind of the going rate and with how many different things he does I think that's going to be the calling card is his versatility when you look at defensive tackle a lot of it looks pretty reasonable until you get to Aaron Donald and that's what scares the heck out of me is that Chris Jones is going to be like I don't want the 21 million like the two guys above me but I, I need way more than that but how close is he going to push you to the 31 that Aaron Donald's getting? 31.6. And then I didn't expect this one, but because I thought this would be the safest signing, but linebacker contracts have gotten kind of crazy. And I don't even talk about edge, but like Roquan Smith from the Ravens signs that hundred uh, $100 million contract, $20 million per year, 60 guaranteed. Shaq Leonard of the Colts, 98.5, 52.5 guaranteed. Fred Warner, 95 and a quarter with 40.5 guaranteed. Like C.J. Mosley, 85 with 51 million guaranteed. If they can get like closer to like Deion Jones with the Browns, where it's 57 million and 34 guaranteed, that's kind of like the next contract down. I'm more on board. But I I'm really nervous that like these contracts, specifically for interior defensive line and linebacker have kind of gone the way of wide receiver where it's getting a little intense. And I'm, I'm a little nervous that they're going to be making some decisions that will make me sad this off season. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm a little nervous. I would love to bring, I would really want them to extend Willie Gay, Sneed and Jones. And if they can get Mike Dana on a cheap contract, great. I just I wonder about him playing how he well he played in the Super Bowl, but those three are my top priority, and I'm trying to emotionally prepare myself for some moves that are going to make me really really sad this offseason if they happen just because of contracts. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's an aspect I'd be very interested to see how contracts ha go over the next year or so, next year two years, because they're getting ridiculous overall. Daniel Jones is asking for $45 million a year. Yep. Daniel Jones. He wants to be paid $5 million less than Patrick Mahomes. Didn't he have, like, just over 3,000 yards passing this year? Yeah, no. I don't know. I didn't even look. But 
It's Daniel Jones. <laughs> so I, I'd be very interested. I, I highly doubt it. I mean, NFL is a money league at the end of the day, but I feel like there's got to be a reset at some point where GMs are going to have to be like, listen, you're not not, not everyone can be the top paid player at your position just because you're on free agency. And I think Veach is that kind of guy to an extent. So I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if outside of Chris Jones, a lot of these guys are not getting the money that they're wanting to get just because I think he's realistic in his ideas. And the reason I brought up Legarius was because look what he did with the draft this year with cornerbacks. Like I love Legarius just as much. Well, probably not as much as you do, Sean, but I do love Legarius quite a bit. <laughs> um, and, but they got two very solid cornerbacks low in the draft and then a first rounder. So three cornerbacks total in one draft that all contributed well this year. So he would be the one that I'd be worried about if they're going to move on from somebody, just because I don't think they trust Leo Chanel enough to fill that role that Willie Gay is gone. If he's gone. Yeah. That's a good point. And cornerbacks, a premier position, you probably get a ton for him. Which kind of leads us into the next discussion, which is if the Chiefs do move on from from some of these guys up for extension, you know, your Chris Jones, your Gay Jr., the Jerry Sneed, kind of the big three that we're, we're talking about here. What return are you going to want as fans? Like, what's what's going to – because I know, like, the Tyree Kill trade, I think it's kind of reset how I think about it, I think, just because – Initially, we were all thinking, like, oh, the Jets are going to give us the 10th pick in the draft. That'll be fine. And it ended up not being anything close to that in terms of, like, where in the draft they picked. But Veach showed that if he's got volume of picks, he can really really kill it if given the opportunity. So what return do you need for any of these guys if they're going to move on from that? If if they do decide to, to send one of our heroes off, what are you wanting to get back, Sam? We'll, we'll let you bat lead off this time. I didn't prepare enough for this question because I didn't look up what other people have been traded for. Um, I have no idea with Willie Gay, to be honest. He would be the one, only one that I'm like, I I don't know what you could get with him. Because he's maybe the most... I don't think there's as much tape on him as there are the other two guys. So I, I know as Chiefs fans, we know how good he is, but and I'm sure, obviously, NFL executives will be able to figure it out very quickly, but I, I don't know if that name is as pertinent as, obviously, Chris Jones, and I think Legarius Sneed has earned high high regards, I would imagine, because of all he does. Jones, after this year, a lot. Like, I don't, again, I, I should have researched a little bit more to see what guys have been traded for, because I'm at a loss, but like Jones is at minimum the same compensation you got for Tyreek, like at minimum. And that's a, as a defensive tackle, because I think he is more impactful than almost anyone in the league. I think Legarius, you could, depending on the team, because I think it, it all depends on draft order. You could ask for a, I think you could get close to asking for a low first early second for him or multiple seconds, um, something along that lines, because I think he is young and has just a unique set of skills that teams would be interested in bringing in. Willie Gay, I have no clue what he would be. So here's Roquan Smith, who I mentioned before, is the highest paid linebacker in the NFL after he got dealt from the Bears to the Ravens. Uh, He got traded for a single second round pick, which is number 53 in the draft. So He also was kind of a problem child in the locker that's, room. And that's the caveat, is that like it was a, a known thing, like, well, they have to move on from him because he's not going to sign. So you want to avoid getting to that point. So I think there's a little leverage there to maybe a little bit more. Um, Jacob, what about you? Do you have a, a target price that you would want the Chiefs to get if they were going to move on from any of these guys that would ease the pain of, of not having them with the Chiefs anymore? I'm just going to say 
if they had to, I'm using Kadarius Tony as a reference point. He was a third and a six. Now, a little bit different because you're getting a couple rookie years on that deal versus if you trade for Willie Gay or Legereus Sneed. I think those two are the big talking point here since they're the one year away guys. Um, a third and a sixth wouldn't thrill me, but it wouldn't upset me. I would understand it. I mean, it would be coming from a place of, hey, these guys asked for a lot of money. We wanted to get something for them before they became just free agents. That's how I'm looking at it. Like I said, that's not thrilling to hear, but it's like, well, that's true. At least we got a third and a six, something you can maneuver around in the draft with, or, you know, just stick true and take those two picks. Um, if Chris Jones got traded after this year, I would hope you're getting, like you guys said, at least the Tyreek Hill compensation, which was what a first and a first and a third and a third or first, a second and a third, something like that. I can tell you in a second. Um, I'm here to trade for five draft picks, a first rounder, a second rounder, two fourths and a sixth. So, yeah, something along those lines. So here's here's where I'm at. I, I'll start with my guy, Sneed, because <clears throat> maybe I'm biased, but I I think we're underselling what you can get for a corner who hasn't even gotten to 25 years old yet. I would be going in asking for a first plus for a guy like Sneed. I would. Like, just the amount of – when I'm looking at this list of corners, I'm like, Okay, I'd take him over Byron Jones. I'd take him over Carlton Davis. I'd probably take him over William Jackson, Traverius Ward, Kill Griffin. You know, then you start getting into like your, uh, you know, Marcus Peters, Darius Slay, Tredavious White. Probably not going to take him over that that crew, right? But you're sitting in the top ten range of cornerbacks in terms of where he's going to be priced. So I'd ask for a first. I want to ask for a first plus and hope to get a first for that kind of guy who can play multiple spots on the field, who can blitz, who can cover, um, who tackles very well. That's what I'm asking for, for a cornerback who's that young. Willie Gay, I'm asking for a second and a third, and I'd settle for a second and a fifth. Again, it's and, – and you might not get that because, again, to Sam, to your point, he didn't have a lot of tape but due to injury, due to suspension – it's not a clean record, so I I hope like playing old slow linebackers. Say again. Due to Spags like liking to play old slow linebackers. Yeah, old school linebackers that just don't run anymore. No, uh, old and slow. Yeah, linebackers. those kinds of guys. <laughs> so those guys are bad. So I'd hope to get a second plus. I'd mentally prep for a Kadarius Tony package, like Jacob said. It wouldn't make me very happy, but. I could see that happening, even though it would upset me. And then Chris Jones, yeah, I'm asking for a Tyreek Hill deal. I get that he's older in terms of football years, but I'm not I'm I'm not willing to move on from a guy who just put up 15 and a half sacks from a defensive tackle position. And it's the second time he's done it in his career. It's not like even it's an anomaly. He's done it before. So I I don't want to move on from that guy unless I'm getting a haul. So like a first and a second, first and a third is kind of where I'd settle. You don't have to get the full Tyreek package, but I'm going in asking for it. That's that's where I want to sit. All right, enough about the sad stuff that could happen. Let's dive into some hopes and dreams, although I just got an alert from The Athletic that one of my uh, dream things just got dashed against the rocks. So I'll have to come up with a third one on the fly here. But um, we asked, uh, sent on the rundown, I asked for three dream moves that you'd like the Chiefs to make. Don't have to be realistic. Can be completely out of left field. Uh, less than 1% chance of probability, but I want your dreams, guys. Is it time to put them out there? Nothing can't happen because nothing has happened yet. So everything's on the table. Jacob will let you take the lead on this one. Give me three moves that would be dream scenarios for you for the Chiefs to make this offseason. Well, there goes all mine. Uh, this offseason uh, is, is tainted already, so I'm going to Sam for the moment. Can, can I guess one of yours, Jacob? Yes. Is it something along the lines of trading Orlando Brown Jr. for Laramie Tunsil? That has been a dream since last offseason. <laughs> so I got one. <laughs> one. 
Um, <laughs> my my uh, really out there Chiefs conspiracy theory takes place next offseason where Justin Jefferson gets sideways with the Vikings and the Chiefs trade for him. So that that's my next offseason dream. So Sean, re-ask this question next offseason and that's my my way out there one. Yeah. Um did you say specifically free agents or just in general? No, dream moves. Give me three dreams. I don't even care what they are. I think my dream move again is a Trent McDuffie situation where there's a guy that falls that they trade up for. Trade up a couple picks for not like we're moving into the top ten. So that's one of my dreams. Sam already has another one of my dreams. And like I said, I'm handcuffed because I was already thinking about next offseason. Sam, what about you? Give me three dream moves that you'd like to see the Chiefs make here this, this offseason. So I haven't fully fallen down the rabbit hole of, of mock drafts yet. Um, I will do one a day, keeping it keeping it to one a day, not letting myself go crazy. John, how many do you do a day yet so far? Low, I, I am – don't know what's wrong with me, or maybe I'm cured, or maybe my illness has just transitioned to something else, uh, like dynasty football. But I have only done like three to five mock drafts, and it's literally just to see what positions are available. And that was like over the last two months. Like I've done almost none. It's yeah, bad. I'm just doing them purely to try to get names because I don't watch college football really. So right, that's the only yeah, way so. I can go look at highlight <laughs> Uh, but there are three guys that I have started to kind of get a draft crush on um, all three ends because I, unfortunately the way it's playing out, I don't think a tackle is going to fall into our lap, but with the ends, uh, Andre Carter, the third from army, uh, Isaiah Foskey from Michigan or from uh, Notre Dame. And then Mike Morris from Michigan are all three. If we could get one of those guys, they all kind of fit the Spags mold of defensive ends. Be pretty, pretty happy with that. Um, dream number two would be Veach somehow figures out to do what he did with cornerbacks last year with tackles this year. That's dream number two. And dream number three is uh, D-Hop is on the Chiefs next year. Mm. Can I can I edit that and say D Hop gets cut by the Cardinals and then becomes a chief? Yeah, because <laughs> that contract is ugly. Yes, I would have said like trade a seventh round pick for him, but I don't know if I want to give those up now after the success they had this off season. Sam, where have you seen? Um, I'm watching your dream now, Mike Morris. Where have you seen him drafted at? He's typically a second round available. Um, he looks I, I, he looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. He he looks he looks like a like a player I would like to have on our team. So my one of my dreams was going to be uh sign Deron Payne from the Commanders cuz he's going to be a free agent this uh this offseason and literally as I was giving the intro to this section I got an alert from the Athletics saying that uh, he had been tagged by the Commanders. So he's the first off the board in terms of players who've been franchise tagged. So I'm kind of running on the fly here. Uh, I will give – this one is less about maybe what he does on the field, although I, I think maybe – I think that would be awesome too. First one is I'd love to see the Chiefs sign Keenan Allen. I if As long as it's you know a reasonable contract, get him on – you know, that one-year deal. He was hurt a lot last year, but really has has been pretty healthy prior to that, which is kind of opposite of what you would look at um, in terms of, like, what Keenan Allen is known for. Like, a lot of people say, like, oh, he's been hurt a lot. And it's like, he hasn't missed significant time. Again, he's missed a lot of in, games in a minute. The Chiefs. So from a Chiefs fan's perspective, Keenan Allen has played two seasons with the Chargers. <laughs> Yep, you will never convince me that man is not broken. I mean, since 2017, he's played 16 games, 16 games, 16 games, 14 in 2020, 16 in 2021, and then 10 last year. Like, I don't think he hasn't been as hurt as I think people make it out to be. It was just because early on in his career, he did get hurt a lot 
in back-to-back seasons in 2015-2016, and I think that just earned him the title of injury prone. And he is 31, so I'm just curious, Sean, what's your number on him? I would love, like, one for eight. One for eight, one for ten is six guaranteed. I would do that instantly, but I just don't believe that that's what he's going to get. Right, and I, I, again, it's a dream. But the biggest biggest reason I'd love for him to be on the Chiefs is I'd love Sky Moore to get into a room with Keenan Allen. Just because I think how Sky Moore is going to have to win in the NFL is how Keenan Allen wins in the NFL. Allen smokes people with his feet at the line of scrimmage, creates a lot of separation early and often, which is kind of what we talked about Sky Moore's strengths being when he came out of college, when we were looking at him. He's he's a guy who's going to have to separate. He's not the biggest guy that to, to just body up and wall people off the way Juju can. So that's number one. Uh, I actually have a trade for Laramie Tunsil on this here, Jacob, because I there's a reason I didn't put Orlando Brown Jr. on my want back list of Chiefs free agents. I think he had an incredible Super Bowl, but I don't. I just don't think he's the the answer at left tackle. So it's just a trade for Laramie Tunsil. And then number three for me is trade up in the draft for a star left tackle or edge. If they can't get Tunsil, that's what I'd really like. I'd like to see them do the McDuffie move, but maybe higher. You know, especially since it's in Kansas City, this is where I think it might sway them a little bit. The excitement it would generate to go get your guy at one of those positions, go get like the first or second guy off the board, either at left tackle or edge, and really just solidify the next however many years at either position. That would be my hope. Because you're not getting you're not getting Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa at 31, 32. It's just not gonna happen. So that's that's where I'm at with number three. Kind of the opposite side of that, what's a move you think hurts the Chiefs? If they make it, what's something they can do this offseason that you think would actually set them back? Um, Jacob, we'll let you take the lead on this one. Let me take the obvious one and go right off yours and say, Payne or Orlando Brown, like he's a top three offensive tackle when he's clearly not. Um, other candidates that maybe wouldn't be like a that's the obvious one. I guess I'd say trading up too far. I'm not in love with any of the consensus top 10 guys so that would kind of be one of my nightmares of how many picks did they give up to go up there did they give up we've seen the Patrick Mahomes trade it costs a first round pick to get up into the top 10 so that's what would scare me about that part of it Sam what about you what's a move that you think would hurt the Chiefs if they decided to make it Uh, I think Expanding on what Jacob said about Orlando Brown, but it is basically giving into the Super Bowl tax, bringing guys back at a higher rate, not just Orlando Brown, because I think he is the key of like the biggest of them, obviously. But um, Andrew Wiley, like there is no reason to overpay for Andrew Wiley. So getting contracts after winning the Super Bowl, giving contracts after winning the Super Bowl because we won the Super Bowl and trying to keep keep the band together, because as we saw this year. We we rebuild real well, real well. <laughs> so I like yeah, just just giving up massive contracts to guys that don't necessarily deserve it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with there with Jacob of of not giving up the draft capital because again, and and this may be recency bias of this year or the past two years, I should say. But Veach has learned how to draft very well. And I just don't like, I, I like the cheap contracts. I, I mean, it, it's so nice seeing all these other teams having to pay these stars and knowing like half of our defense is rookies or second year players. And it's great. So yeah, I, I just, I think mine is is primarily money wise. Um, concentrating number one on not providing contracts to guys that may not necessarily deserve them. And number two, giving away that that opportunity to have young cheap talent so mine is i'm not pulling a full jacob i'm just almost reversing the question and that is is 
being unwilling to trade their first because the draft is in Kansas City. Now, I don't know how realistic that is just because like Brett Veach kind of dismissed that idea that uh, that what Clark Hunt had told him was a joke and that it's not real. But I do think that there's not even pressure from ownership, but maybe pressure on himself to be like, well, I got to make sure that we're creating excitement in Kansas City. But let's say there is an opportunity to go get Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. I don't want them to be afraid to move there first and turn things over. And that's, and that's maybe like, it kind of ties into it. It's like, don't be afraid to turn things over. I know we just got done talking about all the guys that were really like, don't want them to trade away. Don't want them to let go of. But like you said, Sam, they, they've shown they can rebuild really well. And so I, I want them to still be willing to explore all avenues of that. If a good opportunity arises, don't be scared to move your first round pick. If, if something that just seems like a slam dunk comes your way again, you don't want to be like trading for like a guy who's on a franchise tag where it's, you have no leverage. I think that's what makes their Orlando Brown jr. Trade a, a really good one. Still, even in hindsight is that they didn't trade him when they had to give him a contract, which I think where teams get stuck. So I, that's that's my thing is don't be afraid to still be willing to move that first if you think you can get a really good deal for with it and last question here tonight and this one is kind of a, a dart throw because Brett Veach is nothing if not aggressive and surprising and so what is your early prediction for a Brett Veach surprise move I'll go ahead and go first um, give you guys a minute to finalize any thoughts you might have because I've thought about this one probably too much. Um, and this is completely contingent on way too many things to hap ha have happen, which is why I'm like, this seems like a Brett Veach special if it was going to happen. Uh, but the big reason I think it's still possible is because this team does not have a quarterback. And that's trade for Chris Godwin from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One, I think Godwin fits a lot of the things that the Chiefs like out of their receivers, a guy who can work the middle of the field, but also has the speed to stretch a team vertically really reliable hands, always kinds of know, kind of knows where to be, sits down on his own really well, but can still beat guys man-to-man. -man. Like, he's just a really well-rounded receiver. He has a contract that it's not cheap. Like, he's in the middle of a three-year, $60 million contract that he got from the Buccaneers. And you'd have to trade for him post-June 1 for it to make any financial sense for the Buccaneers to do it. So I think there are a lot of things here at play, which is why I think it would be an absolute surprise if it happened at all, and why I think it feels kind of like a Brett Veach kind of thing to do. Um, Sam, we'll turn it around let you take next. What's your early prediction on a Brett Veach surprise move? I can't give you a name, but I, I, I do feel a player being traded away this year. I feel like he's... He learned from the Tyreek deal last year that there is no nothing more valuable than cap space and draft picks. And I can I can just feel somebody we're gonna get hurt. <laughs> it's gonna hurt, but then we'll realize it's it's all right. It it, it it all works out. And Jacob, wrap us up. What's your pick for an early pick for a Brett Veach surprise move? What do you got? So Brett Beach likes failed first round picks. Um, this team also doesn't have a quarterback. The Chiefs were looking at edge rusher supposedly at the trade deadline. You know, we heard names Brian Burns and Josh Allen. Both those guys need contracts yesterday. If you traded for them, you would need the contract. <laughs> a guy that <laughs> would be kind of crazy, but I think it's a possibility because I think his Stock has gone down quite a bit because he hasn't performed other than his rookie year is Chase Young. It would I mean, be weird, but it would fit the Brett Veach mold of a guy that really has underperformed because he's been hurt a lot already. So I would wonder what the price tag would be because you get a fourth year. Uh, his next year would be his fourth year, and then you can take the fifth-year option being the trading team. And then you'd have to make the deal. So it would feel kind of like what you were saying with Orlando Brown of you didn't feel desperate when you traded for him because you knew you had options. 
All right, folks, that's going to do it for us tonight. We really appreciate you joining us each and every week. We are excited to get into the offseason. It's one of my favorite times of year. Should be a lot of fun things happening from now until the start of training camp, and we're going to be in the thick of it here just in the next week. So make sure you stay tuned each and every week. It should be a lot of fun. Until next time, you all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.